Let's continue looking in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 21 through 26. We start with a question. Have you been set free from the strong man? Have you been set free from the strong man? Father, we pray for the Spirit of God to be upon our minds and hearts that we would hear the word of the Lord. And we bless you for the ministry of the Spirit of God that has given us the word of God and now is present to bring it off the pages and apply it to our hearts according to the need. And for this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The last two times I've been privileged to be before you, we were looking at Acts chapter 2 and focusing on how Jesus went about building his church, and he's still doing the same thing. Uh, the summary essence of that, as you look in Acts chapter 2, and then really as it's played out throughout the New Testament, the gospel is preached. And when the gospel is preached, there's conviction of sin. And when there's conviction of sin, the Spirit of God then moves in the hearts of people with repentance and faith. And when there is repentance and faith, lives are transformed. And we saw that in Acts chapter 2. Or we could say in the words of today's text, they were set free from the strong man. As you look at that whole foundation in Acts chapter 1 and 2, uh, that's the miracle that takes place. Um, in the town that crucified Jesus is where the Lord began all of this. Now, in contrast to Acts chapter 2 and, and in the contrast to the teaching that's presented to us here, there's a sad reality. Millions of pulpits or people in pulpits and pews remain slaves to Satan, to the strong man. You say, how can you make such a statement? Well, Jesus said, many, speaking of preachers, will say, Lord, Lord, he says, I never knew you. So this is not a minor problem. And uh, so the question this morning is, to personalize it for myself and to personalize it for, you, for yourself, have I been set free from the strong man, from sin, from self, from Satan? Here in these verses, there is an amazing picture of a lost person. Look at verse 21. The lost man's heart is the house of Satan. This is not just an isolated teaching. Uh, here's a picture of one who uh, Satan is served, Satan is obeyed. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, among the things that is said there about these believers before they were saved was that they were uh, under the spirit of Satan and they were children of disobedience. The spirit of Satan works in the children of disobedience. In Matthew 13, 36 through 43, Jesus teaches that the tares and the children of the wicked one 
they grow together. And so uh, they grow together with those that are wheat. The tares are the children of the wicked one. He said, well, he's just a lost person. He is one who is a child of the wicked one. So we're talking serious business here. In John 8:44, Jesus told the religious Jews, You're, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. So every person seated here this morning, God is your creator. He's your life giver. But until or unless you're born again, you abide in the kingdom of darkness. But once a person is born again, you're not only forgiven of your sin, but you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you are no longer a slave to sin and Satan. Oh, you can still sin. If you say you're without sin, you deceive yourself. But you're also greatly deceived if you are a slave to sin and you say, oh, but I'm a Christian. I'm not just a Christian, I'm a Baptist. I'm not just a Baptist, I'm a Bible-believing Baptist. And you can add all the things you want to. But if your lifestyle is one of still being a slave to sin, self, Satan, in our society, you're in trouble. So the question is, have you been set free from the strong man? Look at verse 21 again. Notice that Satan is, a arm, is an armed strong man. And he has a chief weapon. What is Satan's chief weapon? He's a liar. And the father of lies. He's the father of deception. You can trace all the way through the Bible, and one of the themes is a reoccurring message of lies and deception. You say, well, that was in olden times. It, it wouldn't happen today. Oh, yes, it does. As to the issue of being concerned about the state of your soul, there are all kinds of lies out there. Uh, it's too early to be concerned about that. It's too late to be concerned about that. You're too bad to be concerned about that. No use. You're not bad. You don't need to be worrying about that. Or you're off on some tangent questioning God's goodness. Satan will cast doubt on God's word. When did he start that routine? All the way back in the Garden of Eden. He hasn't stopped. If you think about it, I don't know if Satan ever laughs under his breath. But if he, has a, if he were to have a meeting of all of his cohorts, he might begin the meeting this way. Guys, you know, don't you, that we don't have to come up with any new strategies. The strategy that we have used from the days of Adam and Eve still work. 
Now, he clothes them according to culture and things that are in our culture, but it's all the same thing. He questions the authority, the sufficiency of the word of God. Uh, he may say, take, eat, be merry. Take, eat, you won't die. You'll be like God's. He'll offer the world system of greed and get and pleasure and possessions and position and popularity. The world is the devil's bait designed to displace the true and the living God. And in America, especially, there are a thousand things that can grab our attention that are exciting, that uh, titillating, that just grab you. And if you're not careful, you'll be going down the wrong road. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, 1 John 2, 16. Remember when Jesus was tempting, when Satan was tempting Jesus, he took him up on a high mountain and offered him everything. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, sorry, guy, you don't have the authority to do that. Now, he is a great usurper. Uh, but he offers us acceptance and pleasure and applause and the praise of the world. And we need to come forward with some of the responses that Jesus had. But if we, res if we renounce Satan's offers, some of his slaves will attack you. Have you ever faced that? And it, gets, it never gets more dirty than when it's some of his slaves that are in churches. And your flesh will scream. If you could find one place in Scripture that would show above all other places where the flesh was screaming, where would you go? What person would you bring up? I wonder if there's a reason that Jesus said this. Remember Lot's wife. Here Sodom and Gomorrah is under judgment. The fire is near. The judgment is about to fall. God is almost having to drag Lot and his wife out of Sodom. And she's warned. Don't look back. And even though she's been brought to what would have been a place of safety, everything that she loved, everything that she lived for, her life was in Sodom. And she looked back for one more look. That's the power of this enemy. That's the power of the flesh teamed up with the enemy. That's the power of your flesh with the world dangling in front of you, tempting you and testing you. There's stuff out there. I can't live without it. Oh, you started. I'm just going to experiment a little bit. And from time to time, I mention this and. I don't have any particular insight. I'm just, I, I, frankly, I believe what I read about this. That sadly, there are, must be millions, high percentages of men, women, and children. And let's just limit to those who are church members who are addicted to pornography. 
It's just one of those many things out there. And many kids uh, got started, for example, being addicted to nicotine by just wanting to be cool. Or got started being addicted to alcohol just by wanting to be one of the crowd. I can still remember, long before the days of cell phones and all of this, walking into, we could sin back in the old days. Walking into the bathroom, I must have been a sixth or seventh grader, and some boys had some pictures of naked women that they were showing. And the statistics, the, the statistics today are very alarming at how young children are because of the easy access by cell phones. And their lives are being destroyed. It's the world we live in. What's the point? Satan is an armed strong man. And his chief weapon is deception. He is very watchful. Notice again in verse 21. Uh, he tries to keep his souls. He doesn't want to lose any. The strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Think about how many millions of people from the pulpit to the back pew are going on like nothing is happening. They're at peace. Some of you in years past, were blessed by the ministry of a world-famous evangelist, Ravi Zacharias. And all the while, for a number of years, he was a slave. Don't think that our enemy is a gentleman. Oh, he's a famous apologist. He, he, he can... Uh, not only refute Islam, but he can uh, share the gospel with the Islamic and, and uh, has an effective ministry. Satan doesn't want to lose any of his souls. And we're warned in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15 that the infernal kingdom, Satan and all of his goons, can dress themselves up as angels of light. When Satan detects a person who is hearing the word of God, he goes into overtime. In Luke chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is giving the parable of the seeds. Those by the wayside are they that hear. And then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts. We may be nonchalant and, and yawn and, and don't care and are not interested. Satan, he's serious about this. 
And when you go to read the Word of God, or you go to sit in a Sunday school class, or to listen to a message uh, from a Bible-believing pulpit, there's a war going on. Beware of being a careless hearer. One of the things that Satan will do is will invite you to a church where you will not face conviction of sin. Where you will face entertainment. You can be promised heaven without repenting. Having been a pastor for over 50 years, I can't tell you the number of people I found when they were looking for a church there. Well, we're looking for something that has a good program for our children. Uh, the Bible says children are your responsibility. You're to train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I've never had someone say, we're looking for a church family. We have children, and we need to be better equipped to train up our children in the ways of the Lord. Can you help us? I want somebody to do it for us. Deception. False teaching is on every turn. He's an armed strong man. He likes to keep his deceived ones at peace. He never tells the cost. Oh, what extremes men will go to when controlled by sin and Satan. Someone said this, they run hard whom the devil drives. Driven for money, driven for position, driven for whatever. You've heard the statement. I don't think we can hear it too much. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. Cost you more than you want to pay. Satan has many martyrs. People, men, women, children who lost their lives in his kingdom work. The sad many thousands of prostitutes, drunkards, adulterers, men living for the almighty dollar, drug addicts. I don't remember who this was, but I asked a man where he, when he got on the drugs. He said, when I was a child, I had some behavior problems, and my, pa my parents took me to the doctor and prescribed some psychotropic drug. And I liked the effect it had on me. And when I got older... I wanted to have that same effect. And as I've said many times from this pulpit, if you're on some sort of medication and it's helping you to have some level of equilibrium, praise the Lord. I'm happy for you. But by all means, feed faith. By all means, hide God's word in your heart. Our bodies change. Medications that worked last year don't work this year. They have all sorts of ramifications that don't show up until years later. Be careful. 
by all means, hide God's word in your heart. People destroyed by anger. Marriages destroyed by anger. It started many years ago, just a little anger. A little compromise. A little refusal of parents to give godly example, godly teaching, biblical training and discipline, godly love. And so by the mega thousands, they're given, the children are given mind-altering drugs rather than do child training. Oh, the cost. He keeps his goods at peace. We don't see people who are afraid of the wrath of God anymore, do we? It's, it's, it's seldom. Blinded to reality. My God is a God of love. He would not send anybody to hell. He doesn't have to send anybody to hell. We've already earned it. And one of the things that is happening here is in First Peter, uh, one of your deadliest enemies can be the person that you're listening to on television, on radio, or who is in the pulpit. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But these were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be, right into the first century church. False prophets has a long history in the Old Testament, in the New Testament era. And he said, now, and shall be, false teachers among you who privately bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth is evil spoken of. You try to take a stand for biblical truth on some issue, and boy, people come out of the woodwork, you're judgmental. You're a Pharisee. Who do you think you are? This is not the whole story here. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Some of Bible-believing pastors that I know started to say one of the most dangerous places that you can go is a Christian bookstore. Incredible amounts of heresies there. Where people writing as Christians and writing as pastors deny the word of God. In the war against Satan and his kingdom... There's impossibility to have neutrality. Look at uh, verse 23. If you're not with me, Jesus says you're against me. 
We're either against Jesus or against Satan. In, 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 in neutrality is just not possible. He is not with me, is against me. Then look at verse 24 through 26, the peril of false conversion. Notice that the demon of his own choice, he's not forced out. Of his own choice, he goes out. Verse 24. There's no conflict. He just leaves. And he returns later, verse 25 and 26, by his own choice, to his house. And why would he leave? He goes into hiding. He's not driven out. There's all kinds of things that could be taking place. Someone may be beginning to do some Christian things or beginning to read the Bible, or, or, and, but there's no conviction and there, there's no, I've been crucified with Christ and, and, and there's no being slain by the law of God and uh, never being shown that, his, that our own righteousness is as filthy rags. Not, not yoked to Jesus. The strong man is never bound. He just takes a little vacation. There have been many people enslaved by Satan, and then they get a reprieve. Now, something happens, and I'll never do that again. And so they have a reprieve, they have a reformation, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'll never go back. And yet, they've never been yoked to Jesus. Satan has never been cast out. And while many of these reformed but not saved souls pronouncing that they're saved, false prophets told them so. You just pray this little prayer. Were you sincere? Yeah. Well, God wouldn't lie, would he? No. Well, you're saved. Some people have called it easy prayerism. Just pray this little prayer and you're in. It didn't matter if you have a conviction of sin or you repent or you take the yoke of Christ. Uh, you shook the preacher's hand. You were baptized at the right church. And yet, in spite of all of that, in spite of being sincere in the midst of it, you've gone years with no passion to be like Christ, no desire to follow Christ, no chastening from the Lord, no acts to conversion. Here were people who were confronted with their sin, and they repented, and they obeyed the Lord in the waters of baptism. Is that all there is to it? And with nobody begging them, nobody conjoling them, they continued steadfastly in the word of God, in prayer, in fellowship, in worship, at the Lord's table, praising God, worshiping God. Later they will scatter throughout that area sharing the gospel. But a lot of people have no acts to conversion. 
So what happens? Verse 24. The strong man returns to his house. And he finds it empty. Verse 25. If it had been occupied by Jesus, he could not have gotten in. Is Christ here? No. The house is empty. So the demon enters with seven more. And his last end is worse than his first. Swept clean. Maybe a picture of who's supposed to be Jesus hanging on the wall. Bible on the table. But the filth of sin still ingrained in the life. Idols still enthroned. In true salvation... There will be cleansing, not, not just forgiveness, as glorious as that is. True salvation is not just forgiveness. There is cleansing. There is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you indwelt by the stronger than the strong? The power of conversion. But when the strong, verse 22, when the stronger than the strong shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherewith he trusted and divides his spoils. When Jesus comes in, he takes over. You have a new master. And he will distribute you to the world. The demoniac, wild man, going around naked, out of control, can burst free from chains, found sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. Jesus, I want to stay with you. Well, now I have some people I want you to go to. Go back to your home. And tell them what great things God has done for you. God set him free. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Clothed in his right mind. Telling others. This is the life changing power of true conversion. This is what happened in Acts chapter 2. And so the scriptures teach us here. That except Satan and demons be bound and overcome and cast out. The person is still lost. We all sit here or stand here this morning as servants, slaves, either to Jesus, the stronger than the strong, or to the old strong man. And the only one who can set you or I free from that old strong man is Jesus and his precious blood. So we come to the Lord's table today rejoicing in the stronger than the strong. Rejoicing. Oh, I've not yet arrived. There's still a lot more sanctification to be done, but I'm not who I used to be. And I'm not under the control of my old master anymore. Not the world. Not the flesh, 
nor Satan, the old strong man. I have a new master. And I thrilled to come to this table because it reminds me. It was the war of all wars to bring about deliverance from the old master. And Jesus was not paying off Satan. He was paying and settling the account of the wrath of God, which, is, which we deserve. And Jesus laid on, and the Father laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. My heart is now Christ's home. I'm not who and what I used to be. I'm not all that I ought to be. I'm not yet all that I shall be. But I am what I am by the grace of God. And the best is yet to be. Whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And this week I will covenant to sit at the feet of Jesus. I will publish how great things he has done for me. I'll rejoice in how he has set me free. And I am here today grieved for how at certain times this past week I dishonored him. I repent and I rejoice in the blood of Jesus that goes on cleansing from all sin. I'll not try to wiggle my way back. I'll not try to earn my way back. I'll rest in the precious blood of Christ and his forgiveness. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And I'm not going to overly worry about all the things that are happening in the world. My sovereign Lord is in charge, and he does all things well. And I've seen enough in the world, I've lived long enough to know that being a Christian and being forgiven and having Jesus as a stronger than the strong doesn't mean that I may not suffer in the tragedy in Pakistan or in, in Turkey. I've not personally read, but I'm sure that even though there are not a lot of believers in that land, I'm sure some were killed. I know in many other tragedies, the things that happen to lost people happen to us. We get sick, we die, we have a wreck, we this, that, and the other. But we have resources that no one else has. Our sins are forgiven. We're on the way to heaven. We have an, an, an incredible power to forgive. A power to love. We celebrate that at this table. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing hymn number 323. Come, you sinners, poor and needy. However the Lord strikes you with that, obey him. You may need to come and pray. You may need to just deal with God right where you'll be standing. Uh, just obey the Lord and let's worship the Lord and thank him for his, for his amazing mercy and grace. Because of Jesus, the stronger than the strong man.